It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Gross, answer. Yes! Touchdown! We did it! Hey, what's up, everybody? Eric France and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press on a beautiful sunny Tuesday. You had to look out the window to see if it was. Well, I just wanted to make sure it was still sunny. I knew it was earlier. <laughs> I could change. I could change on you fast, and I have egg on my face. Yeah, it does. No, I think we had somebody come in for an interview. We were talking about the weather, and I looked out. I was like, I haven't looked outside in like three hours. So. <laughs> it's weird because I have a window right behind me, you know, usually wherever I'm sitting. The two or three different places I'll sit down here is there's usually a window right behind me, so there's not much of an excuse for me to not look out the window around here. It's just I don't. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. yes, that's our day. Uh, a couple of things we're going to get through today here on the Full Court Press. Uh, we'll spend some time uh, talking about San Jose State. Big showdown Saturday night on a late night game for USU. Uh, 7.45 kickoff, which means really it'll start closer to 8. Um, but that's the way that'll work. Yeah, that, that's how it always is. Like I said, it's the grand conspiracy you make you listen to their TV pregame. Yes. Uh, so anyway, we'll have uh, pregame coverage for us starting at 6.15 uh, here on The Fan and KVNU with uh, KVNU game day coverage. But... Um, We'll uh, spend some time today getting to know this San Jose State Spartans squad, uh, who they are, what kind of season they've had coming up to this point, what, what the coach is saying about them. Uh, we'll also recap what happened last night in the Spectrum. Another nice win by the Utah State men's basketball team. and But did it come at a price? We'll find out uh, some details there. Uh, and the Utah Jazz back in action tonight, back in the friendly confines uh, Vivint Smart Home Arena, where they have won every home game so far and looking to get back on track after dropping a couple on the road. Some competitive games, but they just let them get away and struggled uh, to close those out. Uh, so our team starting to figure out the Utah Jazz, or just as it sometimes happens, other teams have good nights. And it took a career night by Joel Embiid to get the 76ers past the Utah Jazz. So... A lot of things on the docket today. Also, a little bit later on, next hour, we'll have a conversation with Logan Brown, head coach of the Green Canyon Wolves. He'll be joining us in studio, and uh, sounds like he may be bringing some friends. Yeah, a couple different players. I uh, believe it's Dylan Davis and uh, Jared Anderson, I believe, is the ones who told me we're coming along. So I have three guests at once. We'll try and make that work. We have a limited number of microphones, but we'll we'll make things work. We'll make it work. Uh, so that's coming up, and as always, if you want to weigh in, uh, your reactions to the basketball game last night, thoughts about the upcoming football uh, opponent with San Jose or Utah Jazz, whatever, uh, Full Court Press text line is open, 435-339-0321, if you want to chime in. And uh, let's let's start there with Utah State men's basketball team. A uh, nice win last night um, over Santa Clara, a team that was... Really solid program last year in the West Coast Conference. 
Granted, they are without a player who was a lottery draft pick to the NBA, but uh, still a solid basketball team. But the Aggies, what, what's so fun about this team this year is that so far every game it's been somebody different who's been the leading scorer. And I think that's kind of uh, emblematic of how this season's going to go on. And we talked about this before. There's not like one main guy that's going to lead this team. I think by and large Taylor Funk is emerging to be that most consistent main guy. But I think you're going to have somebody different leading the team each night. And so far that's the way that it's played out through their first three games. Yeah, yeah, Taylor Funk being kind of the leading guy, he's been the most consistent. You know, I think he had, what, 18 in the first game, um, oh, like 15 or something like that in the second game, and then 22 uh, last night. Um, so he is being very consistent. He's also consistently rebounding. He's had two double-doubles in three games. I think he had six double-doubles at St. Joseph's. So I think he's up to like eight career, eight or nine career double-doubles. So like he's he's – taking on a different role here where I think his rebounding number is going to go up probably because of the role he's playing, but also because he's worked to become a better rebounder. So, Yeah, he has been uh, very active on the on the court in different ways helping his team. Besides just the, the, the points and the rebounds, he also had three assists and five steals. Yeah, like he was very active hands. Yeah, he was jumping the passing lanes from the get-go early on, and they, I think he had five or six dunks, and a lot of those were self-created where he'd steal the ball and he'd run down and he'd dunk it. Um, so obviously he had a great night, but really just all around. Everyone had at least a good night in some form or fashion. Steven Ashworth goes for 18. Uh, Dan Akin had 13. Trevin Dorius with a surprise double-digit point total. Uh, might be the first of his career. I can't remember if he'd done it before, but you know, 11 points. He had like three dunks in a span of like three or four minutes. <laughs> uh, he's the guy yeah. who can go up there and throw it down. Uh, so just absolutely crazy offensive night, one that I was not expecting in any way. Uh, the analytical projections I'd looked at, I mentioned these last night before just as, as the show was ending, uh, like Ken Palm predicted like, I think it was a nine-point victory, like you know, 75-64 or something in that range. I can't remember the exact. might have been 76-67 or something like that. And then another one had Utah State winning like 81-71. So like they, those sites weren't too far off as to where Santa Clara would score. Um, they were way off on what Utah State would do. <laughs> weren't like, giving the Aggies as much as they needed. Yeah, they just they just absolutely outperformed. And so Utah State is really flexing its muscles offensively, but defensively they're also performing really well. Uh, you look early in the game, Utah State. I think they were up 11-8. to eight. Um, And from that stretch, from, from that point, for a few minutes, they missed eight straight shots. When, when they finally, you know, when that ended, right, or right before that end, I think they were down 14-15. to 15. They made the shot finally. Stephen Ashworth took the lid off the rim, and they take the lead after, you know, not, sh- not making a basket for, you know, eight straight attempts. They were only losing by one. Like, and that just goes to show what the defense is able to do. It holds on to the game. When Utah State has these cold stretches on offense, which every team does, you know, even a game where you scored 96 points, there was a stretch where they were cold as ice for a second there. But the defense held on, and it just made the, you know, 
they ended up breaking it open at that point. They went like an 8-0 run and then another big run toward the end of the half. And by the end of the half, they were up by 14. So this team right now has played complete on both ends of the court. Great defense and at times even greater offense. Yeah, because it was still kind of back and forth. You know, at one point, 17-16, it's really anybody's game, even though Utah State has played some good defense to that point. But, you know, the Aggies weren't able to really make a lot of shots either. But then then they really go on that run and really started to open it up. Um, But uh, great contributions, again, off the bench for Utah State. But as I said, coming into the start of the show, did it come at a cost? You know, Stephen Ashworth rolled his ankle and – didn't look pretty, but Coach Odom after the game said, well, he's going to be day-to-day. We'll keep an eye on how well how he's doing. But if they don't have Stephen Ashworth off the bench, can this Aggie team keep up what they're doing? Uh, it Basically, just you'd have to rely on Z. Homoda not having or you'd want to have him have a good night. Uh, Homoda, uh, if you combine his first game and this last game, is 1-for-13 from the field. Obviously, that middle game he did very well. But it kind of shows some inconsistency. He's a guy who will miss a lot of shots um, because he's still fairly young. And so we can see that, you know, uh, lightning in a bottle, number one score somewhere in Z Hamoda. But it's still emerging. It can come out at any moment. It did in the second game. And maybe, you know, if he's relied on a little more with Steven Ashworth, because Ashworth, you know, he's got like the Midas touch on offense. You know, every lineup Steven Ashworth touches is good on offense. True. And Zihamoda is, is obviously, you know, doesn't quite have that yet. So there will be an impact. And Ashworth's biggest impact is the ability to bring offense off the bench. You send Taylor Funk to the bench. You send Max Scholler to the bench. You send, you know, Sean Bairstow to the bench. You still have Ashworth and Hamoda. They can provide some offense. And losing Ashworth is big. Um, but I want to say this. People blaming... Coach Odom for having Ashworth out there. Um, I know I, I peeked at one of the texts that was sent uh, yesterday. Um, that was probably sent during the post game last night in the post game. I don't know if you, how you guys addressed this text. I I, I was not listening because I was probably still writing my recap. In fact, I was when this text came in. Um, but at one point he says none of the starters should have been out there. Okay. Stephen Ashworth isn't a starter. Ashworth is not a starter. Like, That's who do you have out on the floor with three, four minutes left, like when he went out? You have your backups in. That's who you have in the game. And keep in mind, say, oh, the game was over. You know what happened just a few years back? Utah State was up 18 points with, like, three minutes left. You know what happened in that game against Boise State? <laughs> Boise State game. They lost because they gave up because the game was over. So having your backup point guard out on the floor in a blowout game, minute, and he was just about to be taken out for, you know, like Connor Gillis and Landon Brenchley. But he was out there because he's the backup, and backups are in at the end of the game until you can guarantee that you're going to win. And at that point, sure, Utah State was up, but don't ever guarantee – because people at Utah State should know better at this point. You've <laughs> lost one of the games where it was "quote unquote" over. I don't want to hear Coach Odom, you know, getting ragged on for having Ashworth in there. It was completely justified. Um. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I. I agree. I mean, Utah State needs needs a little bit more out of R.J. Adelrock. Uh, but great to get a little more consistency and impact out of him. 
but you, know, you don't have to maybe rely on Ashworth as much, especially late in a blowout situation. Yeah. But well, we'll see when we yeah. talk about the depth of having you know a guy like Archer Adelrock, a guy who at one point has averaged like 14 points a game in a season. He's on your bench. He's your, he's your guy that plays one or two stints per game, that plays like seven eight minutes. And so there is some depth there. Now he's kind of fallen off a little bit. He's not that same player he was a few years ago at UMBC. But there's that potential there, and he's a veteran presence that you can rely on. He's a guy who can step up if Ashworth misses a game or two. And, you know, it's going to come against a, a fairly tough San Diego team, although San Diego might be missing one of their better players, actually. So injuries could be part of the this upcoming Thursday game. Mm. But still, you look at the depth Utah State has, they can survive not having Ashworth for a couple of games. And... Even if they drop one, you know, as long as you're playing good in March, hopefully this kind of thing won't come back and bite you. But Utah State got the advantage of Bradley. I don't know if it would have made a difference, but Bradley was missing their best player. Yeah, that's true. So Stoutland and Utah State may be facing a San Diego team that's missing one of their best players. So there's not a ton to complain about for Utah State if you're missing your sixth man as opposed to you know some of these other teams that are missing literally their best player. Uh, 9315 with a couple of texts on the Full Court Press text line. Impressive win by the Aggie basketball team last night, and Funk is on his way to becoming one of the best in his position in the Mountain West Conference. Yeah, certainly. he's. Uh, I only saw one outlet list him as a potential all-Mountain West uh, player. Granted, they had him on like the second team. And of course, not many people released a first and second team predictions for the Mountain West, but still there weren't too many thinking he was going to do something like this. Now the season is long, but he's looking like a guy who I think when I did my stat, I don't know if I want to call them projections, there were more guesses at that point to be perfectly honest about how they've turned out, but I had him at about 15 points. Right now I think he's at 17 17 and a half or thereabouts. So a little above what I was thinking. I thought he could be a guy who could score in the mid-teens. Uh, average probably above his career average. I thought stepping into a role, he'd, he'd rebound a little bit more. He's rebounding a lot more. But he is certainly, you know, offensively, potentially going to be one of the best players in the Mountain West. Probably not the best, but he'll be up there. He is, he is being he's yeah, just, he's just so good. There's some dudes on that San Diego team. Yeah, there are. So, and you've also, you know, got Graham E.K. and in Hunter Maldonado, and and uh, and there's others. So, there's a lot of good players in in this conference. But the fact that you can put Funk in that conversation does speak a lot to uh, how well he's playing so far, and just how well Utah State's playing so far. Like, I mean, preseason there was one ranking I saw that had Utah State at like 47, and I thought that was reaching. Well, Ken Palm has Utah State at 48 now. Yeah. So, granted that when I'm talking about it's like teamrankings.com, they now have Utah State at like 26, 27. Like, they are really high on the Aggies. Whatever their formula is, absolutely loves the Aggies. Um, but others are a little more conservative where right now they're in the 40s and 50s. Low, high 40s, low 50s is where a lot of metrics have them right now. So, they're absolutely playing out of their socks. Yeah, and they're... Look, the thing about this non-conference schedule for USU, and we've talked about this, there's not like a a blue-chip team on the schedule. There's no Iowa, there's no Oklahoma on the schedule like we've seen. 
recently. But these are these are solid teams. These are teams with good resumes from a year ago. These are teams that'll have look to be having decent, solid seasons this upcoming season. So it's kind of a sneaky good schedule. Yes, it's all a bunch of mid major teams, but they're good mid major teams. And it's about it's not just about building your 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 net ranking or your resume in that sense. As much as it is playing solid teams to get you ready for conference play in January. Yeah, and unfortunately Utah State's not going to play one of the top teams to really uh, get them going. I mean, we had the conversation with Cal Day yesterday where he says he wants to play teams that, I mean, this isn't the way that most coaches will word it, but um, teams that are probably going to beat you and might beat you bad. But you learn from that. I think they prefer to use the term test you. Yeah, that's the word. Like I said, I have my way of saying it, and they have their way of saying it. Yes. But you want them to test. Obviously, you don't want to play a team that's going to smack you by 30 because it's it can be a little hard to really learn from that. Yeah. But you lose a game by 10 on the road to a Kentucky. You're going to learn from that. Utah State's not going to have that, but they are cutting their teeth against some good you know, mid-major teams. Like right now, they're all three of their opponents are inside – like the top 141 of the Ken Palm. Two of them are inside like the top 120. I think maybe it's the top 130. But they're going to be good teams. Uh, they're going to be probably inside the top 150 of the Ken Palm or NET, probably inside the top 100 when all is said and done. Because these are their rankings when right now their you know small sample size <laughs> record includes getting smacked by Utah State. So we'll see how it's all said and done where these teams end up. But they're going to be solid teams. And it's going to go down that Utah State didn't just beat them. They smacked them <laughs> and said, here, have 10 three-pointers and a 20-point loss. Yes. Bam. Here you go. And so, and we should all be fans of Utah Valley, Bradley, and Santa Clara from this point forward. Yeah, definitely. And it, it'll look even better because Bradley, they're going to get their star center back. That's going to look disproportionately good on Utah State's schedule. Mm, that's true. Where there's a team that they probably wouldn't have beat by 22 if they'd have had their best player. And, you know, Santa Clara, uh, Brandon Pachemski, however, <laughs> I think I might have said his name right. Dude's probably going to average 17, 18 points a game for Santa Clara. And Utah State just really, absolutely crushed him. Really held him in check. Yeah, like in really. the second half, he goes, you know. He was 3 for 11 on the day. Yeah, he went like 0 for 5 in the second half. Like, and one of the things that I was surprised with the way they defended him. I thought, okay, and we talked about this with Coach on Sunday. He said, all right, who do you think you're going to have guarding uh, Brandon? And because you played Trey Woodbury, we saw what they did to Trey where they shut him out completely. Um, and it was Max and Z. Himoda. And he said, well, Max and Z. Himoda are probably going to guard Brandon. Well, Stephen Ashworth spent most of the game, like when he was in there, they, they had the lineup of uh, Ryland Jones and Stephen Ashworth in there a lot. And Ashworth nominally plays shooting guard in that lineup. So Brandon also plays shooting guard. So the six foot one Steven Ashworth is guarding six foot five Brandon Pachemski. And I was surprised at how well he did. And I know he wasn't surprised. He thinks a lot more of himself as a defender than I do. And so in a way he's proved me wrong. You know, he guarded him just fine. It wasn't perfect, but I can't think of any specific play where Steven just blew a coverage on him. 
Because the one blown coverage where Brandon got a wide open three, I don't even think Ashworth was in the game at that point. But still, he guarded him for much of the, like, late in the first half, chunks of the second half. He was in there a lot guarding Santa Clara's best player who who's put down 66 points on the year to that point. There were 64 points to the year at that point. So it's like, he did really well. Yeah, he really did. Um, a lot more to get to on that. More of your texts are coming through. We'll get to those. Hang tight. I'd uh, love to continue to get your reactions to what happened last night in the spectrum between Utah State and Santa Clara, uh, turning their attention to uh, going on the road, uh, taking on San Diego, um, but also uh, looking at uh, Utah State football, taking on San Jose State, who's coming to town on Saturday night. Uh, Utah Jazz in action as well. We'll also preview Green Canyon boys basketball next hour. Stick around. It's all coming up on the Full Court Press. Not sure what to do for Thanksgiving dinner? Does the thought of that mess turn you off? Then call the Beehive Pub and Grill. They have an amazing family-style Thanksgiving meal ready to go. Just order by Friday, November 18th by 5 p.m. Pick up on November 23rd between noon and 6. Heat and serve. That's it. A full Thanksgiving meal with all the normal fix-ins without the hassle. Prices will vary. Order for two or get meals for six. Call for details. Beehive Pub and Grill, Logan. With inflation at record highs, why buy new if you can repair your current machine? Daryl's Appliances factory trained technicians spend hundreds of hours in training each year to ensure your appliance is repaired right the first time. You can have peace of mind. They offer no risk service, meaning if you want to purchase new instead of repair, you can apply up to $95 of your service call towards an appliance purchase. See store for details. Daryl's West on Airport Road, open until 6 p.m. on weekdays, 5 on Saturday. When it comes to home care, it's important to know you have a choice. If you or a loved one is in need of hospice or home health services, remember that Primrose Home Care and Hospice believes in treating the patient, not the problem. We work directly with you and your doctor to create a health plan that's catered to your needs. Our team is devoted to providing options in the freedom and safety of your own home. Visit us at primrosecare.com or call to schedule a free consultation. Primrose Home Care and Hospice. Your local hospice and home health provider since 2006. Nothing compares to the warmth and feel that a wood stove provides. The two-time Best of Northern Utah winning team says there's never been a better time to replace your old inefficient wood stove and install a new energy-efficient EPA-certified Vermont casting wood product in your home. The U.S. government is offering federal tax credits of 26% on your wood stove install. For Vermont casting units, that includes stoves, venting, and labor. Call or email Advanced Fireplace and Stove for a free in-home estimate. Call 435-752-7272 or go to advancedfireplaceandstove.com. Aegis Home Health and Hospice loves helping the people they serve. Aegis is a home health and hospice organization that lives by core values of character, experience, and trust. Every day, Aegis' goal is to help you with whatever your health care needs are and to do it wherever you need us to. Aegis, A-E-G-I-S, Aegis Home Health and Hospice. Call 723-9000 or find them at myagis.com. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, Jason Walker, 
Once again, into the stat that blew our minds, our player of the week. And who won pick six over the weekend? We didn't get a chance to do that yesterday. So that's all ahead on today's show. A couple of your texts coming through. If you want to weigh in, 435-339-0321. Uh, 5879 with a couple of texts. Uh, hey, did you guys see that USU football opened up the week as a one-point underdog to San Jose State? Um, so I was just, during the break, looking this up. And I didn't see that it ever got to one point. It, it did get to one and a half for saw, San Jose. I saw a line that said Utah State was three-point underdogs. Well, it opened, technically, it opened at two and a half, went to one and a half, Sunday, uh, and then it's been moving more in San Jose's favor, and it currently sits at two and a half for San Jose State. There is one sports book that does have them at three. Uh, I think that's Caesar's sports book. But uh, yeah, so San Jose, that line has been kind of wiggly so far this week, which is interesting. Again, it's about where are people placing their bets on who they think is going to win and by how much. Uh, and then uh, five eight seven nine ads. I think it has changed to them being a three point favorite by now. Uh, yeah, I just looked. It's uh, two and a half right now. Okay. Yeah, also, I, I think I checked mine on Monday, so it's probably changed a lot. It's since then. moving. Also, Wyoming football has a really tough battle to finish out the season, so they might pick up more conference losses that uh, we have. Meaning these last two games are extremely important. Yeah, they're extremely important, but I think in in what in what context? As in getting to the Mountain West Conference Championship game? I don't think that's mathematically it, possible. Yeah, if because if Wyoming loses, that means Boise State won. And yeah, there's I, not enough ground cover to uh, catch them. Yeah, because the thing is, I think there's a way that Utah State, Boise State, and Wyoming each finish with two losses, where Wyoming beats Boise State. They're, well, actually, no. Yeah, Boise State would need to lose their last two, and somebody else would need to beat Wyoming. Yeah, okay, that's how it works. It's Wyoming beats Boise State. Utah State beats Boise State. Wyoming loses to Fresno State in the final week. But I don't think Utah State comes out on top in any tiebreaker in that. So they don't get anything. <laughs> no prize, no shares, no nothing. You lose. Yeah. It's it's a sad reality. It's not fun to say. Didn't enjoy saying that. It's just the reality. Yeah, we should all stop thinking about conference championship opportunities. Yeah, I think the team has mostly done that too. Yeah, where you just got to focus on San Jose yeah. for like three weeks. Ever since the Wyoming loss, it's been bowl game, bowl game, bowl game, bowl game. Anderson like opens every single press conference with that bowl game, bowl game, bowl game. That's the goal for this team, and it basically comes down to this week. Sure, you're going to get a crack at it at Boise State, and you might win, but I ain't putting any money on that, so kind of got to put all your eggs in this basket. Yeah, the team's basically had a playoff mentality that yeah. we have to win the next game to move on. Yeah, and they've, they've done that two weeks in a row, and now basically the regular season championship game. This is what it comes down to. It's senior day. It's basically bowl game eligibility day. Like, this is, like, we've talked about how New Mexico is big and Hawaii was big, but if those games were big, which they were, they were important. This game is huge. 
you have to win this game. Otherwise, you have to depend on the longest of long shot odds to beat Boise State. Yes. Uh, let's see. Getting to another text here, 9315. Is the Hawaii tournament, uh, or in the Hawaii tournament, we could play a blue blood? Yeah, you could play Washington State. Um, that would only be in the championship, quote-unquote, game. Uh, the competitors in that in that tournament are Iona, SMU, Seattle, who's Utah State's first and only guaranteed opponent, or known opponent, I should say. Yeah. Um, then George Washington, uh, Washington State, which is the only um, major conference team, I believe, uh, Pepperdine and Hawaii. So if Utah State wins, obviously they'll, they'll end up facing some of the tougher opponents. Um, I haven't checked to see how Seattle's doing lately, but... Probably not that great. Yeah. So yeah, Utah State would play. Uh, so if they if they beat Seattle, they'll they face would... the the winner of Iona and SMU. Correct. Um, but uh, George Washington, Washington State, Pepperdine, and Hawaii—they're on the other side of the bracket. Yeah. So Washington State, I think, is just about the highest of any of these. They're uh, they're 69th in Kempom right now. Seattle's like 140. Oh, I just looked it up and then I forgot. It's like 149. Um, trying to look up SMU. They're 108, so you can get a decent opponent in the second game if you win. And assume SMU beats. Uh, Iona. Of course, Iona's 99. So I mean, right yeah. there, you've got a couple of the the second game. If you win the beat Seattle, which you should, given where Seattle's at now and the way Utah State's playing right now, you should face a decent another one of these. Decent teams, right? It's emblematic of the non-conference yeah. schedule overall. <laughs> so, and then after that, you could end up facing uh, Washington State, or I would guess Washington State or Pepperdine. Pepperdine's one fifty-seven. You know, they're starting off against Hawaii. So, so yeah, that's that's you know, if you win three games, you probably wind up playing Seattle, SMU, Washington State. That's not a bad lineup. But that's also assuming wins. Right. And you can't guarantee that. You, we shouldn't start counting our eggs now that we've played three games. Right. The long season's still ahead. Yeah. 9315 adds, that's awesome. The Aggies are number one at my house, too. Great minds think alike. Okay. We would. <laughs> I would hope that the Aggies are number one at your house, 9315. They should be. For most people around the Valley, they are. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So, um. Getting back to Utah State football, preparing for San Jose State, the Spartans. Um, you know, this is a this is a solid team. They're six and three overall, four and two in conference play. They've had an interesting season. When you look at their body of work, um, not really a premier win. I mean, they almost beat Auburn at Auburn, which. Early on looked better than probably it would have looked later in the season. Yeah, it's not it's not as good now. No. But their their two losses were at Auburn and at Fresno State. And both of those were within a, really within a score, a single score. Um they also lost just this past weekend to San Diego State, which was a real surprise just how much offense and how many points the Aztecs were able to get on the board. Forty three points given up to San Diego State. 
where in their previous games they'd given up 16. They gave up 28 to Nevada, which is a little bit of a surprise. Uh, they gave up only 7 to UNLV, 16 to Wyoming, so uh, 6 to Western Michigan, and 17 to Portland State. And even in their losses, only gave up 24 to Auburn, 17 to Fresno State. That uh, San Diego State really is an outlier for a lot of reasons. Yeah, it certainly is. The one thing I'm just now picking up on, I probably should have picked up on this earlier, but all three of San Jose State's losses are on the road. Yes, they, they are. They have one road win this season at Wyoming, which is impressive. Uh, it That kind of stands out as an outlier itself, but... I don't think the weather is going to be very nice on Saturday. I think it's going to be cold, if I remember correctly. Yes. And this is a warm weather team, so hopefully, you know, we're we're pulling out everything, trying to find any reason for Utah State to win, because I'll be honest, there's a lot of reasons that make me nervous about this game for Utah State. A lot of things that San Jose State does well, the Utah State has not shown an ability to stop or break through. I mean, you look at the way Hawaii threw on Utah State, basically it will. San Jose State's like 31st in passing offense in uh, college football. So, And then San Jose State, they attack the quarterback and get sacks. Granted, they let their own quarterback get sacked. But you know, Utah State just allowed Hawaii, who going into the Utah State-Hawaii game, the Warriors ranked, I think, 129th in team sacks. They had nine. And they got four against Utah State. Yeah, way too many. Now, a couple of those were, I want to say, self-imposed. Yeah, but could have been avoided. Yeah, well, the thing is, easily they, avoided. Yeah, you can say you can point to where you know whose fault it was. Cooper Lagat took. He said like more than half of those. So you know, two or three, depending on how much he was exaggerating. But um, and and uh, Blake Anderson specified that at least two of them were on Cooper. But the thing is, whoever's fault they are, they happened. Offensive line or quarterback. And so you got to hope that you work to make, you know, whatever it was that caused those sacks to happen, you got to make sure that goes away. And, you know, you'd kind of prefer the sacks be on the quarterback because you don't just magically get a better offensive line. But a quarterback can learn to not do some of the things that uh, lead to sacks. He can learn, you know, watch the tape and say, hey, this is where you got to go. And then you get some reps in practice and see that same look. All right, this is where I'm going to go when I see this. Then you watch, you know, and key on those things for San Jose State. So of the problems, you know, in terms of sacks, Utah State at least has the better one to where the quarterback can learn and not allow himself to be sacked, whereas the offensive line otherwise was doing, you know, their job. Their job is asked, at least. Right, yes, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, when I look at this game and I look at the, the key, uh, I don't know, pressure points in this one, they I'm like you. I, I'm, I'm nervous about Utah State's ability to, to, uh, to withstand the, the, the front pressure that San Jose State's going to throw at them. And at the same time, can they? Can that Utah State secondary do a better job than what they did against Hawaii? Can they learn lessons in a, in a victory 
and get better against a quarterback who, frankly, is a lot more dynamic, probably one of the more dynamic quarterbacks they will have faced all season, and how he can sling the ball around. And he's he's a better rusher than what his numbers indicate because uh, he does get sacked about three times a game, and that takes a lot of yards off of his total rushing. Yeah, I, I did the math on it, and um see if I can find where I wrote it down. Because right now his his rushing total says 181 yards. But assuming that he was the only player sacked on uh, on all every single one of the sacks this year, which I think he was because I think nobody else has really thrown a pass for Hawaii this year other than a couple trick plays, I think. So assuming all those sack yards were uh, taken away from him, his real rushing numbers, instead of 104 rushes for 181 yards, which is like 1.7 yards per carry, his real adjusted rushing numbers would be 70 carries, 435 yards, and eight touchdowns. Which is, uh, I don't have to you know, say that's significantly better. I need to look up how many yards per carry that is. I didn't write that down. But uh, it's 6.2. Similar- Six point two yards per carry. That's that's significant. Yeah, it's so it really does go to show that he is a dynamic quarterback able to get out and run, um, and that's something Utah State struggled with. And I'm worried because Utah State can get pressure, they can't finish that pressure, and they allow athletic quarterbacks to escape. Heck, they allow unathletic quarterbacks to escape. I still remember Weber State's quarterback plodding along for an 11-yard run. Um, so they've got to find a way to be disciplined in their rush or just be quick about it. Get to him before he has a chance to react. And San Jose City's offensive line gives up a lot of sacks. Now, I don't know how many of those are him running around and just being tackled, um, where maybe they're self-imposed on him. He holds the ball too long. But uh, it, yeah, it, it is worrying because like there's a chance that Utah State gets those sacks because it's the you know Ephraim Bond's specialty of bend, but then you sack them or force a turnover or you know cut their drive short. That's kind of been Utah State's defensive specialty, so they can do that. But will they? Because they've been less effective at those sacks and tackles for loss this year. But still, this is a team that's very bad at allowing sacks. Well, yeah, and part of that is on Cordero. Uh, he's a guy that kind of in the similar vein as Logan Bonner in that he thinks he can make a play, and usually he does. <laughs> but sometimes he holds on to it just a little too long because he's moving around trying to f- find something to, to be a gunslinger and, and, and get it into a tight window. And, and usually, more often than not, he makes that play. But because he's trying to hold on for just a little bit longer to let a play develop it makes him vulnerable to getting sacked. And so it's it's not necessarily that they have bad protections up front. It's that he's moving around waiting for something to develop and holding on to it because he thinks he can make a play. Yeah, and so Utah State's got to be quick about their pass rush because their secondary ain't holding on that long. And so really it's going to come down to those big plays. Sacking him a lot. Get like eight or nine sacks. You might need that many. Um, and then one or two interceptions, which is tricky because San Jose State has five in, five turnovers this season total. Utah State had a game where they had six. 
a game where they had six. San Jose State has five total the entire season. So it'll be tricky to force turnovers, though the good news is Hawaii wasn't really giving away turnovers during conference play. They had like three in, you know, five or so conference games. Utah State forced four, three, four. Yeah, four. So they certainly turned that around on Hawaii. Maybe they can do the same with San Jose State. Uh, We'll hear more from the coach of what he has to say about it as we continue to preview Utah State and San Jose State. Love to get your texts on your thoughts about the matchups, your reactions to what happened last night in the spectrum as well. Utah Jazz taking on the New York Knicks tonight. You'll hear it here on The Fan. And the next hour, I have a chance to speak with Coach Logan Brown, the head coach of the Green Canyon uh, boys basketball team. That's all coming up on the Full Court Press. And uh, we'll take a quick time out here. But before we come back, just want to remind you about the Cash Food Pantry. Uh, They've got a crucial need for donations, and they can come in a variety of different forms for them, whether it be non-perishable food items that uh, that they can use, especially if it's something that would help a family have a more traditional-type Thanksgiving meal. But they also have equipment on hand where they can store perishables. Like if you've got a backyard flock of chickens, Bring in some of your eggs, share them with the food pantry, and they can share them with folks who really need them. Uh, besides that, though, you can also share your dollars. Uh, they have a buying power that's stronger than any of us. They can stretch a dollar a lot more than we can. So cash donations are also really encouraged. So join us here at the, at the FAN and the Cash Valley Media Group as we support the Cash Community Food Pantry this holiday season. Are you a small business owner? Who's your bank? This is Bruce Rigby. I want to invite you to bank with us at Cash Valley Bank. We specialize in helping small business, and we have great people. That's the Cash Valley Bank difference. Decisions made locally, without all the red tape, by people who care and know how to help small business. Cash Valley Bank, growing, expanding, and proud to have our roots firmly planted in Cash Valley. Cash Valley Bank, member FDIC. The Young Automotive Group is proud to announce Young Truck and Trailer Center in Cache Valley. Whether it's heavy equipment trailers, horse trailers, race car trailers, or cargo and utility trailers, we're excited to offer some of the finest trailers and flatbed work trucks to Cache Valley. Our team of experts look forward to helping you find the right truck or trailer to fit your needs, with competitive prices offered on every make and model for sale on our lot. With our extensive inventory, you'll find the best deals right here in Cache Valley. Young Truck and Trailer Center, just off Highway 89 in Logan. Think Young drive young. Holiday parties and events at the Riverwoods Conference Center offer a festive and fun holiday atmosphere. Paired with catering from the Elements Restaurant, your special occasion can include tasty hors d'oeuvres, delicious entrees, and decadent desserts that always deliver excellence. Now accepting reservations for the 2022 holiday season, the Riverwoods Conference Center and Elements Restaurant can accommodate you whether your event is large or small. Visit theriverwoods.com or call 750-5151. Hi, this is James with White Pine Funerals. We're excited to host our annual holiday concert featuring a choir and musical ensemble by Jay Richards. All are welcome to attend free of charge. We extend a special invitation to anyone who is missing a loved one this holiday season. Food donations are encouraged at the door for the Cash Food Pantry. Back-to-back performances will take place at White Pine on Thursday, December 1st at 7 p.m. and 8.30 p.m. That's Thursday, December 1st at 7 p.m. or 8.30 p.m.
interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Cold weather is definitely here, so it means it's more important than ever to keep your car in tip-top shape. Get your oil changed at Vaveline Instant Oil Change across from Angie's on Main Street in Logan, 695 North Main in Logan. So Utah State preparing for San Jose State, a team with what Coach Anderson describes as having a very dynamic front, a team that has got a lot of experience on their defense which allows them to be a little bit more versatile, a little more exotic. They've got a little more training and experience under their belts. Um, this is a team that's you know, had, a, has had a good season to this point, 6-3 and three overall. Not a, bad, not a bad year for San Jose. And part of it is that uh, an aggressive defensive front coupled with a gunslinger quarterback who uh, is not shy about throwing the ball around. They don't really run very much. But again, their, their running totals are skewed because of the sacks. They, they actually are a little bit more effective running the ball than what their numbers look, seem to indicate. Yeah. Just, just a little bit better, although they still are you know, very much passing because I think they rank third or second to last in rushing attempts. Not, not just rushing yards where they're like 128th, 129th with the sack skewed rushing total of like 82 yards per game so it just goes to show that please ncaa stop being (laughs) morons and just fix the way you 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 know record sacks and for those who don't know like the better way is the way the nfl does it is where if you get sacked it's negative team passing yards now you lose totals off of the team's passing yards the quarterback if he throws for 315 yards but loses 15 yards in sacks, the team will record 300 passing yards. Quarterback still gets 315 passing yards. Basically, just they turn sacks into a team yardage lost stat. Which is how it should be. Yeah, and they don't assign it to anybody. The team, obviously, their total yardage will suffer, but it, it moves into a category where it's not impacting anyone's official stats, so you're not having these, I don't have to every week, try and factor out how many times you've been sacked and try and figure out, okay, how good are you actually at rushing? So just please. Uh, Here's what Coach Anderson had to say about that dynamic front from the San Jose State Spartans. They're dynamic on the D-line. They're twitchy and dynamic. One of the best that we saw last year, the guys you're talking about are back and played a lot of snaps. The ability to move and and not end up with two guys in a gap, knowing guys are disciplined and and mature, are going to end up in the right spot. Uh, it creates a lot of flexibility for what they can do. I think flexibility with dynamic players creates a lot of problems. Yeah, that's what they have. Uh, that's going to be one of the real big keys for Utah State, being able to protect Cooper Lagaw and give him some time. Because if he's rushed, if he's hurried, uh, that's been part of their success is they try to get quarterbacks off, off time, off schedule, and uh, try to get after them and, and make them uncomfortable. Yeah, and Utah State, not a really great passing team at all, and so you, I shouldn't say at all, but they're not a great passing team, and so they can't afford to be you know thrown off schedule because they're already working with a slim margin of error in terms of success in the passing game, and so they need to be able to make those rhythm throws. They need to be able to throw down the field, which is going to require 
extra time for pass protection. You know, when they throw those hitch routes, you only need like two seconds of pass protection, you know, so that the quarterback doesn't get drills, he throws a five-yard hitch route. But if they're throwing little deeper passes, you need four or five seconds um, or, or closer to that. Um, so you got to be able to hold up. And then in the run game, you've got to be able to block this dynamic defense to open up rushing lanes. Because um, the run game, having a great run game fixes everything. <laughs> if you can run the ball at will, it doesn't matter anything else. You can just do whatever you want. Uh, so for Utah State, again, it's almost say this almost every week. I emphasize it more in the Wyoming game, but you run the ball really well in this game, and you'll, you'll probably win. You'll be okay, yeah. Uh, more on that, more about uh, Utah State and San Jose State. We'll also preview uh, Utah Jazz and Green Canyon Boys Basketball coming up next hour, so stick around. Quick time out here on the Full Court Press. Prodigy Brewing has so much appreciation and gratitude for the warm embrace Cache Valley has given us. We want to invite you to join us for Sunday brunch from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Our Sunday-only brunch menu features sweet and savory options such as chorro French toast, chilequiles, fried chicken egg sandwich, and a Bloody Mary bar. You also won't want to miss our hash browns. Whether you are out with the family or friends, Prodigy Brewing is the place to be in Cache Valley. Open seven days a week, located at 25 West Center Street in beautiful downtown Logan. Clean it up and get it out before the snow flies. Don't wait another winter. Let DD Auto and Salvage pay you for that junk vehicle. DD Auto and Salvage makes it so easy and fast to get rid of your junker vehicles by paying you the most money possible. Pickup is available. If you have metal, DD Auto and Salvage and Logan wants to pay you today. Call 787 1204. That's 787 1204 today. See store for details. I'm here with Mark Anderson from Anderson Seed and Garden. Mark, can you tell us a little about your experience with ChemDry of Northern Utah? You know, our carpets get really dirty at Anderson Seed and Garden, and we clean every January. Our timing is is kind of difficult. I called Daryl, and he was amazing to work around our schedule. They came in and cleaned our carpets. They looked like brand new when they were all done, and uh, they've just been amazing to work with. ChemDry of Northern Utah, ChemDry of Northern Utah. This is Nate Lamson with Valley Office Systems, your home team when local matters. Valley Office Systems is your local provider for all things office, copiers, printers, furniture, and document management. Proudly serving Cache Valley since 2007. Visit valleyofficesystems.com. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, Jason Walker. And on a Tuesday, it's usually when we uh, step aside from the topic at hand and share a stat that blew our minds and award a player of the week for what they did on the on the court, on the field, whatever it is, the sport. Um, so let's, for the sake of time, we won't do the, the big fancy sounders. <laughs> So, but uh, but Jason, you want to go first? Let's start out with the player of the week. Uh, player of the week, going to give it to uh, Ike Larson. Uh, uh, good choice. Wins Mountain West Defensive Player of the Week, Mountain West Freshman of the Week. Huge performance. Figured I'd give it to the local kid. Had a huge game. 
in helping Utah State get a crucial victory on the way to bowl eligibility. Okay. I like that. Um, I'm also going to give it to a Utah State player. I'm going to give it to Steven Splashworth. (laughs) Through three games, like on Monday this last night, he was four for six from three. On Friday, he was five for nine. And in game one, he was one for four. So far, he's 10 for 19 from three, shooting 52.6 from beyond the arc. It's insane. Averaging 18.3 points to these first three games. Going for Steven Splashworth. Should have given it to Daddy Funk. <laughs> That's apparently Daddy his Funk nickname Town. now. <laughs> Funk the Dunk. Yeah. Oh, watch your profanity. <laughs> okay, uh, stat that blew our minds. Um, related to the the basketball game yesterday, uh, just 96, the point total. It was just out of left field. Uh, it, it felt like in the first couple games maybe Utah State had a little bit more offense in them. Granted, one of the games they had like 82 points, so... Didn't feel like there was a ton, but still, 96. Like, you look at the teams they've di- when they scored 96 or more points. Like, these are the kind of teams they do it against. Life Pacific, Montana Western, Montana State, San Jose State a couple of times, Eastern Oregon. You know, there's some teams they've done it to that are major teams like your in Mountain West teams like Colorado State. They've done it a couple of times. But still, like, when you score that many points, you blow a team away. Usually Utah State's playing some low-level team that they just absolutely blast. Lower division or just crap yeah. team. But they absolutely beat up on a good Santa Clara team. Not a great Santa Clara team, but a good one. Okay. A uh, stat that blew my mind. I'm going to the NFL. This is interesting. Cliff Kingsbury and, um, and the Arizona Cardinals. But this is him as a coach. He's 11-14 and 14 outright when his team is the favorite. He's 17-16-1 outright when his team is an underdog. So he is the only coach in the Super Bowl era with a winning record as an underdog and a losing record <laughs> as the favorite. I think he needs to change his preparation for when he's a favorite. Something's a little backwards. Does he look at the spreads? Does he fade his own team? <laughs> Seems upside down. Uh, All right, so next hour we'll get into the uh, pick six. We didn't have a chance to do that yesterday. We just got so wrapped up in recapping the football game and previewing a really important game against Santa Clara for the men's basketball team. Uh, So we'll do that uh, starting next hour. Also next hour, uh, head coach for the uh, Green Canyon Wolves, Logan Brown, he'll be joining us here in studio to preview their upcoming season. Uh, and as always, if you want to weigh in on uh, the topics of the day, Utah Jazz also in action later on tonight, hosting the New York Knicks, 435-339-0321 uh, to chime in. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, some great reading on Cash Valley Daily. Jason, you've got your Monday cooldown um, and uh, the recap from last night's basketball game as well. So a couple different things for people to read and the preview for San Jose. Yeah, lots of stuff to read. I've been doing a lot of writing. I do a lot of writing early in the week. And then I don't do anything for like two or three days. Of course, that's going to change for basketball season, but <laughs> it's always like early week, and then the rest of it is prep for the game and prepping for all the stuff I'm going to write on Monday again. So no no shortage of content to get you up to speed on what's going on with Utah State football and Utah State men's basketball. Plus, you can go check out the photo gallery from last night's game 
as well. Pretty exciting finish for the Aggies. So stick around. More to come here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. Streaming online, 106.9thefan.com, and on our mobile app, 106.9thefan. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. In the NFL, we're often fixated on a team's record. But if we've learned anything from the Eagles' loss to the Commanders last night, it's that we really never know what can happen. Never say never. Coming into last night's game, Philadelphia was the only undefeated team in football. But in the NFL, it doesn't matter what you've done to start the season. All that matters is the next game. And last night, the Commanders were the better team. But that's something we should be used to. There's an extreme amount of parity across the league this season. Even the NFL's elites are vulnerable on any given Sunday. Just look at what happened to the Colts in Week 18 last year. Came into the game needing a win for a playoff spot against a Jaguar team that had two wins. The Jags blew the doors off the Colts. So although every week there appears to be a few mismatches, I wouldn't be too quick to pencil in a victory. Because in a league with so much parity, you never really know what can happen. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.